When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ed Robertson with the program note the conversation between Steve Beverly and me about the selection of Mike Richards as new host of Jeopardy was recorded on Friday, August 13th. One week later, on Friday, August 20th, Mike Richards announced that he was stepping down as host of Jeopardy after the publication earlier in the week of a litany of offensive comments that he had made about female colleagues on a podcast that he had hosted called The Random Show. Jeopardy announced that it will revert to guest hosts for the time being. Hi, everybody. This is Ruta Lee, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential. Radio talks about television. Ellen Gear will join us in our second hour. Ellen Gear, daughter of legendary actor Will Gear of the Waltons and an accomplished actress, director, and teacher in her own right. Ellen is the artistic director of Theatricum Botanicum, the outdoor amphitheater in Topanga Canyon, California, that Will Gear started in 1973 and which Ellen has run along with other members of the Gear family since Will Gear's death in 1978. Theatricum Botanicum returned to outdoor performances this summer after being shut down last year because of COVID. We'll talk about what's on tap this summer. We'll also talk about the special salon series that Theatricum offers every Friday night in September in the event you find yourself in Southern California in the next couple of months and are looking for some fun and unique ways to spend your evening under the stars. We'll also talk about some of Ellen's other roles in movies and on television, which include Harold and Maude, Beauty and the Beast, Star Trek, The Next Generation, and Dallas. Ellen Gear will join us in our second hour. We'll be up to stay tuned for that later on. In this hour, we will welcome back Emmy Award winner Ron Bacon. Ron spent 35 years in network TV production, mostly with ABC in Los Angeles, working behind the scenes in all kinds of television programming, including many live events such as the 1984 Summer Olympics, which is the event for which Ron won his Emmy Award. He'll share more stories behind the scenes of network television. We'll also talk about a very interesting film that Ron wrote and produced many years ago, which is now available for streaming on demand on YouTube. We'll do that and more when Ron Bacon joins us later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, you may have heard that the people behind Jeopardy finally named a new permanent host, that being Mike Richards, the executive producer of Jeopardy. You might recall that a few months back, shortly after the passing of Alex Trebek, we had our friend Steve Beverly on to share his thoughts on who the new permanent host might be. And so uh, with the news out uh, last week, as this program airs this week, as we record this conversation, we thought we'd ask Steve what he thinks about Mike Richards officially being named the new host of Jeopardy. Steve Beverly, of course, now retired professor of 
communications arts at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. He was also one of the people who was behind the game show Congress convocation of game show personnel and game show aficionados that took place in Los Angeles throughout the 2000s. So that makes Steve our go-to game show expert. He is also the host of Steve Beverly's TV Classics, weekly two-hour TCM-like festival classic TV shows from the 50s and 60s, which originates from E Plus TV Channel 6 in Jackson, Tennessee. Steve, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Mike Richards does have prior experience hosting game shows, but even so, this has left a lot of people scratching their heads, particularly those on social media who were pushing for, say, LeVar Burton to be named the new host of Jeopardy. I have a couple of thoughts on this, but first I'd like to know what you think. My reaction to Mike Richards being named host of Jeopardy goes along the lines of what I've heard many people, particularly those who are in uh, mainline media, saying, not surprised, but disappointed. Yeah. Let me make that very clear. Not surprised, but disappointed. The reason I say not surprised is that I pretty well had this thing figured out after you got through his period, his two-week period, of hosting the show. This smacked to me, and again, I don't have anything other than just perceptual viewpoints on this. This smacked to me of something that had a lot of preordained structure to it. I personally believe that the deal was done before the announcement was made this weekend. I think it was done way before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that most of the, quote, celebrity guest hosts were ever in the running, other than perhaps Maya Bialik. Uh, I think she really wanted to do the show. But I, I think that most of the guest hosts, particularly those that were in, in television news, this is not something that they were going to be doing on a permanent basis. Aaron Rodgers was not a significant candidate because of the fact that even though he has differences with the Green Bay Packers, he's still playing professional football. Yes, that's correct. That requires a huge amount of time, and he could not dash in the studio and do those shows on a regular basis, so scratch him. And he might be taking a pay cut doing the being, being the host of Jeopardy, <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> well, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of these people would perhaps have been taking a pay cut Yeah, if they had been considered as the host of the show. But the decision for the daily five-day-a-week show to make Mike Richards the host did not surprise me because I believe personally that he engineered this entire thing himself. I, I think there have been a lot of things that have been dropped in social media that have been either been dropped by Richardson or his handlers. And having said that, now I will tell you, you're going to find people out there who thought he did a fabulous job hosting the show. And and they're there. You can you can find them out there. Not with nearly the intensity of those who were hoping to see Ken Jennings or those who were hoping to see LeVar Burton or any of their other favorites or, or Mayan Bialik. I believe that Mayim Bialik was thrown the bone 
of being able to host special editions and particularly those that might appear on ABC, that she was thrown that phone just in case Richards does not work out in the role because it would be very easy to slide her into the Daily Show. And also, I think that was a defense against the fact that he has had previously, uh, and regardless of what he tried to issue to the Jeopardy staff in his defense, he has been the subject of a couple of significant lawsuits that came from women when he was uh, executive producer of The Price is Right. And the culture that we are in today, that is a very, very slippery slope mm-hmm. beyond. And so, personally, I think that from that standpoint, they are hedging their bets on this. I, and I'm going to say one more thing and then let you follow up your question, uh, Ed. I, I'm going to say one more thing. I wrote about this this past week. I find, despite the fact that you have had instances of this in the past, I find a significant conflict of interest of an executive producer also being a host of a show. Now, you can look in the past at things such as Monty Hall was a co-executive producer of Let's Make a Deal, but he basically was the performer. His partner, Stefan Hados, mm-hmm. was the showrunner. Mm-hmm. You can look at back in when Jack Barry and Dan Enright were producing many of the shows that were discovered to be fixed back in the 50s, and then the sanitized version of those shows that they did uh, in the 70s. But Jack was primarily the host and performer. Jack was not the showrunner. Yeah, he was the front man, and Enright was the showrunner. Monty Hall was the front man, so to speak. Stephen Hades was the showrunner. Exactly. But I think you can see a number of situations in entertainment today in uh, scripted shows where Lead performers are executive producers or co-executive producers, and you see an intense amount of conflict that develops because that person ultimately is going to be looking after themselves. Mm -hmm. I worked at the tail end of the era in local television news where you still had the primary anchor for a local television news station was also the news director. And by the time we got to the early 80s, that began to be phased out almost altogether. You might find a few scattered instances in small markets, very small markets. But for for all intents and purposes, that ended because you had too many instances of television news anchors who were more interested in protecting their own image and their own personalities than they were looking after the big picture of the show. And there were plenty of conflicts of interest. I worked for one who was an extraordinarily narcissistic news director because he was the anchor. Mm -hmm. And and I I, I won't go back, I won't name names or anything like that. But he was was one of the, the class examples of somebody who did not, everything was at the expense of his staff if it came to protecting his image. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that is the same case today. I don't care what past history shows, because a lot of times past history can be wrong. I truly believe this is not a good move when it comes to the fact, and I don't care whether the guy's talented or not. And and, And having said what I said, I am not rooting for failure. I do not believe that that is a quality that anybody should have. I don't believe you should root for failure. He's been named to the job. 
He deserves his chance, and I hope he is successful. Because if he is successful, it will be that the show continues to be mm-hmm. successful. But I just simply think that there are just too many wet rats in the middle of the road <laughs> to think that this was just simply a two-week tryout for the executive producer and that suddenly all the Sony executives think that, that he is the chosen one. I think that this was carefully crafted and planned. That's a long answer to a short question. Uh, but it's a very insightful answer and covers a lot of grounds, including the things we're going to talk about in just a second. Steve Beverly is on the line with us. Steve Beverly, uh, Professor Emer. Is it emeritus or emeritus? Professor emeritus. Thank you, Professor emeritus. Of... It might be emeritus. <laughs> I might be. I might have that as a disease or something. <laughs> <laughs> Professor emeritus of communications arts at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Also, our resident game show historian, game show analyst. We are talking about the naming of Jeopardy executive producer Mike Richards as the new host of Jeopardy, uh, which was announced this week as we record this conversation last week as this program airs. Steve also mentioned Mayim Bialik, who was one of the many uh, celebrities who tried out in the last six uh, months or so. Mayim Bialik was named the host of a series of primetime specials on Jeopardy as well as a possible spinoff series, and we're gathering our thoughts about this. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Ed Robertson with the program. Note the conversation between Steve Beverly and me about the selection of Mike Richards as new host of Jeopardy was recorded on Friday August 13th, one week later, on Friday, August 20th, Mike Richards announced that he was stepping down as host of Jeopardy after the publication earlier in the week of a litany of offensive comments that he had made about female colleagues on a podcast that he had hosted called The Random Show. Jeopardy announced that it will revert to guest hosts for the time being. In many ways, you hit on... What I thought was the biggest thing about this that made me wonder, which is it does seem to pose an obvious conflict of interest. And the first thing I thought of, Steve, I don't know whether you follow Major League Baseball, but as a sports guy and as news guys, you're probably aware of this. Uh, you might recall that when Faye Vincent stepped down as commissioner of baseball about 25 years ago, his successor was Bud Selig. And there are a lot of people who say Bud Selig did good things for the sport of Major League Baseball, but the fact remains Bud Selig was an owner. He owned the Milwaukee Brewers, and he never could shake the fact that he was an, that an owner was the commissioner of Major League Baseball, which would seem to pose a very obvious conflict of interest, and that, that was my initial reaction when uh, Richards was named host of Jeopardy. Yeah, I, I think that you've got a very good analogy on that, because you know, Bud Selig's tenure as commissioner of baseball certainly was a rocky road, and it's not to say that he didn't do some good things. The problem that I have with this is that this whole idea of having all of these celebrity guest hosts of the show over a period of nine months, it just really, it because the public, it, they, they can get away with this at Sony by saying, well, we never really said that, but the public was given the impression, and I, I'll challenge anybody in their PR department, 
the public was given the impression that these were, quote, test auditions for these people and that they wanted to see which ones struck gold, which ones struck fire. And, I mean, here you go. You're in a a situation anyway where uh, the Olympics – and the, even though the Olympics had a, a much lower viewing level than it has had in, in the past, you still had situations where Jeopardy was all messed up as far as uh, Olympic preemptions mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm. And so that skewed ratings down at the bottom end of it. But you also had a situation like this, is that uh, there was just a lot of things that were designed, it appeared, to get social media reaction to them, and yet when the decision was made, it was as if we're not paying any attention to social media at all because when the – and there was a post that was made by a very well-known executive producer of the past of a previous game show, and he said that it was very, very odd that you were having it leaked to the media that – blank individual, in this case Mike Richards, was deep into negotiations for the job as MC of the show. Mm-hmm. And it, he says, this is just very, very strange if they haven't already reached some kind of an agreement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the big question is, did this happen from, it was Richards himself doing this, and, and he does have a reputation inside the industry of being a me guy. Did he plant a lot of this stuff? Did his representatives plant a lot of this stuff? I cannot believe that a lot of this came from the Sony PR department because that is not the way they typically work. But it is a very, very strange situation that all of a sudden you have all of these people with a tremendous amount of talent. And I can tell you, of course, I was, as when we last talked about this, I was rooting for Ken Jennings, there's mm-hmm. just no question, because I felt like that he would maintain the continuity of the show and he had the credibility for it. If it wasn't Ken, in my opinion, and I can tell you that, in two ninety nine will get you the smallest latte <laughs> at, at Starbucks. But, but if it were not Ken, I, my personal uh, belief is that Mayim would have been the choice. Yeah. I would have put her in the role. I, I just think she did an excellent job. Most of these others I just discounted, and, and taking nothing away from uh, taking absolutely nothing away from Lavar Burton. I just think Lavar Burton came too late in the game for him to be seriously considered. When, when you are doing something like this, and if somebody is actually said, "I would like to do the show," you don't put them last in the group and expect this sudden surge. And particularly when he was shown during the time of the Olympics, and a lot of times the show was preempted or cast off to an overnight period. So having said all of that, once again, another long answer to a short question, but it is, in my opinion, it is very similar as, as you look at what, what happened in Major League Baseball when C-League was named commissioner, and as I say, going back through my years in television news, it was always a big question mark if the news director was also the anchor yeah. because ultimately there was going to be somebody who was looking after themselves. And and I, I fear this may happen in the show. But he, I, I, having said that, I'll say again, he deserves his chance. He has been named. They're not going to go back on that. 
unless the ratings tank. And so he has a chance now to prove that whether somebody like me is wrong, and he, and he deserves that without having to be subjected to people rooting for failure, which I think is wrong on the part of the fans. The, the other comment I, wa- I want to make, put to button on what you just said, Steve, which is at the end of the day, some will say that people who watch game shows watch game shows because of the game, not necessarily because of the host of the game. Therefore, Jeopardy will survive as it has survived for more than 50 years. Um, but I, because you have a unique situation where Richards is the now the official successor of Alex Trebek, uh, who was a cult, and, and even even though it took a couple of years for Alex to finally make the game his own, because he did it for thirty six years, I mean th- that's a whole different factor. You got involved here, and it'll be interesting to see how how the audience response and numbers play out. Yeah, I think unquestionably, and and it was we go back. We talked about in the past that in 1984, when the show was revived, and I never remember, I never forget seeing the trade ads that said that Alex was going to be hosting the show, and I nearly dropped uh, Broadcasting Magazine because I thought, how in the world can you do this show without Art Fleming? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Art was the, and, and one of the things that troubles me in some of the, and again, it's a case of many years ago, out of sight, out of mind, but there are many who have said that Alex built Jeopardy, and I disagree with that. I, there would have been no Alex Trebek in Jeopardy had there had, had there not been Art Fleming before that in 11 solid years on NBC, an unfortunate revival of it in the late 70s on NBC. But you're talking about a man who was absolutely, he was, he was like the glue of Jeopardy with yeah. Art Fleming. And so that is why many people were very skeptical of Alex taking the show because Art had this gregarious personality that made you just get energized while watching the show. Alex was such at times, even a few times the, the term coldfish was used in his, his delivery and his personality. It did take, you're absolutely right, Ed, it did take about two to three years before the audience finally came around and decided, okay, he's a different kind of guy, but he's beginning to make this show into his own. And obviously it worked because of his incredible tenure before he passed away. But uh, this is just one of those things that when you are going to replace a legend, you cannot make the wrong choice, otherwise it is going to be to the detriment of the show. You made an analogy a minute ago. I have never seen a host who can save a bad game show. Yeah. I have seen many bad hosts who have had the ability to weaken a great game show. Uh, and that has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things that this better be right. And the only way we'll know is when we see what the audience numbers are for Jeopardy, when, and particularly when we get to the November sweeps. Uh, but I, I do think that this is one of those things they better hope this is right 
uh, or else it could be to the detriment of the show. Steve Beverly is our resident game show analyst, game show historian. He's also Professor Emeritus of Communications Art at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Steve will be back next week for part two of our conversation. We've talked a lot about Steve's background in TV news before he taught broadcast journalism at Union University. He also has 25 years experience doing play-by-play for men's and women's collegiate basketball, including 13 years on a national level. Steve will share a few stories about his career in sports broadcasting, including the important role that preparation goes into any sports broadcast, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, and golf. We'll also talk about some of the broadcasters who influenced Steve as an announcer, which include one of our favorites, Dick Enberg. We'll also talk about what's on tap in August and September on Steve Beverly's TV Classics and more when Steve Beverly joins us for part two of our conversation next week on TV Confidential. You can follow Steve Beverly on Facebook and on Twitter at Mr. TV Classics. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll welcome back Emmy Award winning producer Ron Bacon here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.